Welcome to the Grace to Run Your Race conference hosted by Rama Family Church. Our guest minister is Pastor Lawrence Lim. It's an honor and a privilege for me to be here once again. Uh, this is a seminar, Grace to Run the Race, amen. I'm really excited here. Um, I was just telling um, Heejun. Heejun is um, one of our youth leaders from New Creation Church in Singapore. He came along with me. I was just, you know, preparing in the afternoon. And, you know, I brought this file with me, a physical file, and it contains many testimonies of lives that have been transformed. Right, from people all over the world who have written into our church and uh, Pastor Prince ministry. So I was reading through it. Honestly, I'm telling you, I had a revival right then and then. I was looking at the number of lives who have written in. So I can imagine the number of lives who have been impacted and been transformed by the grace revolution that is happening all over the world that have not written in. So this is only but a fraction of the lives that have been transformed and some of the testimonies are amazing, right? And I'm going to read uh, some of them to you, right? I'm going to show a video testimony as well. And the majority of the testimonies are on lives that have been transformed. People who have been addicted to drug addiction, alcohol, pornography, sexual deviation, sexual immorality. When I read it, I'm like, wow. And I was just telling uh, Heejun, I get to do this. I get to preach the gospel, you know, one of the greatest blessings of my life is that, you know, I, I heard the gospel, right, and I receive it. It has transformed my own life. I'm not preaching to you because it's a job. I'm not preaching to you because it's like, it's something that I should do, right? I'm preaching to you because it has literally transformed my own personal life. I'm blessed today because of the grace of God. Amen. My marriage is blessed because of the grace of God. Like any other marriage, I have my fair share of challenges. I've been married for, what, six, 17 years this year. Right? I have three kids, right? And you do not know my past, all right? I think I shared with Benny, right? A little bit about my past, but if you had known me, my past, and to know that I can have a marriage that has lasted 17 years, right, it is the grace of God. We'll share more about that later, okay? I, I, I'm just excited and really privileged that I get to do this. I get to do this. I don't have to. I get to. What a privilege, amen, to bring the gospel to you right here in Brisbane. I want to thank once again uh, Pastors Tony and Patsy, right? Thank you for the awesome privilege uh, of inviting me. I, I'm so blessed to be here. I don't take this lightly. And uh, Pastor Joseph Prince and New Creation Church, we send our love and greetings, right, to Rayma Family Church and all of you who are here for the seminar. We love you, right? God loves you. We are excited to be here, right? This is the first night. We are believing that the next two nights is going to get better, right? The glory is going to get brighter, right? And your lives will be transformed, right? Every time we come to a seminar, I want you to know this. Let there be a, an expectation in your heart. Let your faith arise. You know, God works when there's faith in your heart. If you are expecting nothing, then sometimes nothing happens. But when there's an expectation in your heart and you want God to do something in your life, then He will do it. He'll meet you at the point of your need. That's why the Bible says, you have not because you ask not. So if you want to receive something from God, ask and you shall receive. Amen? So keep on asking. You know, I shared this morning that I'm going to share um, a little bit on 
the secret to a victorious Christian life. Amen? Is that something you would like to know about? Or should we change the topic to like marriage, no? <laughs> the secret to a victorious Christian life, amen? So we're going to talk about that. But Pastor Prince sends his love and greetings. Actually, he spoke to me um, just yesterday uh, at length. He said uh, certain things that I really need to mention um, to the crowd that's coming. Right, I'm going to mention them later. But one of the things he told me to make mention, which I did, but I'm going to mention it again, is that he told me to tell the people in Rayma Family Church that you're sitting under a great pastor, Pastor Tony. He's a man of God, amen? So I want you to know that you are blessed, amen? And we want to honour um, the pastors in our midst as well. How many pastors are there in our midst? Wow, praise the Lord. People in full-time ministry? Quite, quite a few of you. I just want you to know this, right? I, I honour you. Right, when you serve the Lord, I know that there are sometimes sacrifices involved. And sometimes, you know, it's not as easy as it looks. But I want you to know, there's a verse that in the Bible that says, the Lord Jesus said this, He who serves me, him, my Father will honour. There is a special honour that God gives to those who serve our Lord Jesus Christ. Right, He honours you. Amen. And God will not forget your work and labour of love. He will reward you. Amen. And the reward is not just here on earth, but there will be a special reward, I believe, when we go to heaven. Amen. And it's all worth it. Amen. So thank you for those who are in full-time ministry for serving the Lord. Amen. Today I want to preach about the gospel, the secret to a victorious Christian life. You know, we talk about the gospel, we talk about the grace revolution. The Grace Revolution, um, I'm not sure if you know this, but something is happening in the Christian world even as I speak. All over the world, there are more and more people who are starting to preach the gospel of grace. Can I just say this? The gospel is not just the gospel about grace. Grace is the gospel. When you read the New Testament, the Bible will say, we'll call the gospel as the gospel of Christ the gospel of peace, and the gospel of the grace of God. So I want you to know that there is a grace revolution that is happening in the world even as I speak. More and more people are starting to understand and they're starting to see God for who He truly is. God is a good God. God is love. He doesn't just have love, but His entire being is love. Amen? His heart is to bless. God is for you and not against you. I don't know what your opinion of God is today, but I want you to change your mind about God. Many of us, we have hard thoughts about God. We still think that God is a God who stands in heaven with a huge baseball bat, just waiting to smite us, right? When we sin, when we make a mistake, that's not God, right? That is someone else, <laughs> right? God is not like that. God is a God of mercy, his heart is filled with grace. It says in John chapter 1, verse 17, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. The law was given by Moses. Moses was a servant of God. Moses was a man. But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. 
Moses was a servant. Moses was a man. Jesus Christ is God. That's the difference. The law was given, but grace and truth came. That's the difference. Everything has changed since Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came, lived His life on earth, died on the cross, and was risen from the dead. Everything has changed. Once you understand what the Lord Jesus Christ has done, what He has done must redefine how you read the Bible and how you see God. The Bible is divided into two main sections. The Old Testament, making up of 39 books. And the New Testament, making up of 27 books. You must understand that we are no longer in the old, but today we are in the new. Amen? The Lord Jesus has changed everything. The law was given, but grace and truth has come. So today we need to understand what the Lord has done and how it can change our lives. Amen? So we're going to talk about the gospel. The gospel literally means good news. Turn with me right now to Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. It says in Romans 1, 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. So Apostle Paul is speaking here, and he's saying that he is not ashamed of the gospel. Now, first and foremost, the Greek word for the word gospel is eugelion, which means good news. So gospel literally means good news. Everyone's saying good news. When you hear good news, what is your response? It puts a smile on your face. Good news makes you happy. Bad news make you sad. Amen? But what are you listening to? Are you listening to good news today? When you listen and receive good news, it should make you happy. Amen? And can I say this? The gospel is not just for you to listen once. After you are born again, right? after having heard the good news, you depart from the good news and start hearing bad news. The gospel, which is a gospel of grace, grace is a gospel, sums up the entire Christian life. It's not just for the start, right? It's for the journey and it's for the end and it goes on and on and on because the Bible declares that in the ages to come, He will reveal His grace to us. Even in the ages to come, my friend, grace doesn't end here. Grace goes on and on. Grace is the very person of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it says grace and truth came. I just want to talk a little bit about grace and truth. It says the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came. Now, grace and truth, they are together. Sometimes when people preach grace, they say, oh yeah, we need to preach grace, but we also need to preach the truth. And they say, we, we can preach grace that God loves them, but we must tell them the truth, right? They need, to, they need to live a holy life for God to love them. So they say, we can preach grace, but you cannot take out truth. But my friend, that is not what the Bible is saying. In the Greek, grace and truth came the verb came is in the singular. Now, when we study the Bible, you must understand your English Bible is translated from the original Greek. We must always go back to the original Greek to understand what it is really trying to say. Grace and truth is one. The truth is grace. 
and grace is the truth. That's what it's saying. So the truth is the grace of God. That is the truth that will set you free. Because Jesus says to the people when he was walking on earth, for you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. If the truth that Jesus is bringing to them is another set of rules and regulations, do's and don'ts, what difference is it from the law? They already know the law. So there must be something that Jesus brought that is different. Because Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. So Jesus could not be referring to the Ten Commandments again. They already knew the Ten Commandments. So clearly, the truth that Jesus came to bring that will set people free is the truth of God's grace. Amen? That's why there's an emphasis on the grace of God because it is the very person of our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and truth came. And it says in John chapter 1, and we beheld His glory. The glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So our Lord Jesus Christ, His very person is full of grace and truth. Full of grace. God is full of grace towards you today. And what is grace? Grace is the unmerited favour of God. Okay? The definition of grace is that grace is the unmerited favour of God. You cannot earn grace because it's unmerited. Amen? Today, when God looks at you, He favours you. Amen? You are special to Him. His love towards you is unconditional. God favours you today. Grace is the unmerited favour of God. Amen? So Paul is saying in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. You need to take note that the power of God, do not miss, the power of God to salvation. What is the power of God to salvation today? What is the? And in the Greek, it is definite article, the. Not one of the power, the power of God. The definite article. Power of God unto salvation. What is the power of God unto salvation today? Oh, we just need more, more power from God. But what is it? What will give you the power of God unto salvation? The gospel is the power of God. Grace is the power of God unto salvation. Do you need salvation in your life? And the word salvation, it doesn't just mean saved from hell, saved from your sins. The word salvation, soteria in the Greek, it is an all-encompassing word. It means saved from hell, saved from your sin, health, provision, protection from your enemies. Amen? So what is the power of God that we need today? It is found in the gospel. You're not just saved from the penalty of sin, but you're saved from the power of sin operating in your life. When God saves you, it is an all-encompassing salvation. But where is the power, my friend? It is in the gospel. You just read it. Once again, I say this. Everything that I preach to you, Subjected to the authority of God's word. Be a good Berean, right? Everything that I say, match it with God's word. Examine me, judge me, right? And I can make a mistake too. 
and we can defer, but go back to God's Word, examine what I preach. Is it according to God's Word? I want you to do that, amen? So it says that the gospel of Christ, the good news of grace, it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. So this is where faith comes in. You need to believe. Amen? There's something you need to do. You need to believe. That's all you need to do. And when you believe, it is the power of God unto salvation. It's not something for you to do. It's something for you to believe. When you believe right, you will live right. Don't focus on doing. Focus on believing. When you believe right, you will live right. Amen? When you believe right, the power of God unto salvation will come into your life. So believing is important. For we are saved by grace through faith. Amen? So believing is how you appropriate the power of God's grace, the power of God's salvation in your life. You need to believe. Always examine what are you believing about God? What are you believing about? What are you believing in your situation that you're facing in your life? If you believe right, you'll see the power of God unto salvation. Amen? For everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Now, verse 17 is very important. Right? It tells you what does the gospel reveal that you need to believe. It says, for in it, in the gospel the power of God unto salvation, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Do you see that? For in it, in the gospel, something is revealed. What is revealed? The righteousness of God is revealed. From faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And this is a portion that Paul quoted from the Old Testament. The just shall live by faith. The righteousness of God. But what is the righteousness of God? I believe that this church is very well taught and most of you may have known this, but this bears repeating because this is the power of God unto salvation. It says the righteousness of God is revealed, but what is the righteousness of God? What does it mean to be righteous? Are you righteous today? Are you a righteous man? Are you a righteous woman today? To be righteous means you are a man or a woman who has fulfilled all the requirements, standards, laws, and commandments of God. That is what it means to be righteous. A righteous man has fulfilled every requirement, every law, every commandment, every standard that God has for him. So if you are righteous, you can stand before God in his very presence without any sense of fear, guilt, shame, or condemnation because you fulfill everything he wants you to do. Amen? So that is the very righteousness of God. Amen? But it says the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. You know, when I was growing up as a believer, right, uh, I got born again when I was 14 years old, right? I went to church. I heard the gospel for the first time, right? Someone came up to me and shared the gospel with me. 
at the end uh, of the service. I remember I was just 14 years old. Right, I heard it and it was an amazing message. I never heard it before. I didn't grow up from, uh, in a Christian home. So I heard it and I received it on the spot. I got born again. But I never understood righteousness. So for the rest of my Christian life, from 14 to uh, 18 years old, in those four years, right, I think um, the church that was attending, they didn't have an understanding right, of the gospel and of righteousness. So what they taught me was that righteousness is a measurement of how moral you are, how well you behave, whether you go to church, whether you read the Bible, whether you do good works or not. So my understanding of righteousness was this, that if I read the Bible, hey, I'm quite righteous that day, right? If I go to church, I'm righteous, right? If I don't sin, I'm righteous. But if I sin, I'm unrighteous, right? If I don't go to church, I'm unrighteous. So that was my understanding of righteousness. Righteousness is a measurement of how good and how bad I have been. How many of you have heard that before? Some of you, just some, okay. Just a few. <laughs> we don't need to preach this anymore. So I went through that, and it's like, and I remember my, I was attending a Bible, Bible study, right? I was a young believer, and one of the youth leaders was, was telling us, he taught us from Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. I still remember to today. He said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And he taught us, he said, the reason why when you pray, right, you don't get what you pray is because you are not righteous enough. You're not seeking God enough, right? And you're not righteous enough. That is why these things are not added to you. And he says, the prayer of a righteous man avails much. So when you pray, right, and you don't get what you pray for, it means you are not a righteous man. Because if you are a righteous man, you will get what you pray for. So from that, I started to live my life where I, every time I pray, right, and I don't get what I pray for, okay, I, I know why, right, I'm not righteous enough. So I live in that mentality, thinking that righteousness is a measurement of who I am, what I do, whether I sin or I don't sin. And my Christian world was tough. It was hard, man. I was a, you know, growing young man, right, with my hormones raging, right? And it's, it was tough. I couldn't do it. I tried to go to church every Sunday, right? There are some times that I will miss church, right? I wasn't consistent in my Christian walk at all. Then something happened to me uh, when I was 18 years old. So I'm going to share something uh, with you that's very personal, okay? Right, which uh, I seldom share, but I want to share so that you know uh, what the grace of God can do. So I come from a broken family, broken home. So my dad is, um, you know, he's, he's violent, right? And he would like, you know, really uh, hit uh, my sister and my mom, right? He would do crazy things, you know, use a belt, throw chairs and, you know, um, take the table and smash it on my, on my mom's, uh, you know, toes. So it's, I've seen horrible things. He has a violent temper. He's not a believer, right? I didn't come from a Christian home. So I see all that panning out in my life, right? When I was 14, all these things were already happening. 
And I know that I would, I would oftentimes, after I got born, I would always pray to God. There's one prayer that I would pray every single day. Every single night I would pray and I'll ask God to save my parents' marriage because I know that it is falling apart. So I was a Christian for four years and all these years, all this time, I would always pray. There's only one prayer that I would pray for. That is, I would pray and ask God, right, to save my parents' marriage. But when I was 18 years old, when I went to the army, you know, in Singapore, you need to go to the army, right? So I went to the army, right? And when I was in the army, my parents, right, broke up, right? And my mom left home without telling us anything. So my sister and I, we didn't know where she went for the next two years. She disappeared from our lives. I think she's just fed up with my dad and she just left, right? So my mom left and we were with our dad. So, and I was in the army at that time and I got really mad and disappointed, right, with my parents and with God. I blamed God because I thought, I only pray one prayer, just one prayer and you didn't answer that one prayer that I pray every single day. So I kind of blame God, you know, for what happened in my family. And because of that, and I didn't understand righteous. I thought maybe it's just that I'm not good enough. I thought, since I'm not good enough, why go to church? So I decided to stop going to church altogether, and I left church. So I was in the army, and, you know, for those of you who serve in the military, you know that the military has special challenges. You know, when guys come together, sometimes good things don't happen. So I got, I hung out with the wrong crowd. Right, so from 18 to 20 years old, right, I left church, right, I hated life, so I just started to party. I mean, I was partying every weekend, right, on Friday night, on Saturday when we, when we booked out of our military, right, I would, I would hang out, you know, right, in, in the pubs and clubs and whatnot. So I would drink and, and every, I would be stone drunk. There are times that I'll be lying on the road. My friends would pick me up and bring me home. So I get myself drunk every single weekend, right? And not just that, right? I would be, you know, I had lots of girlfriends and I was living a sexually immoral life. I want to share this because I want to be real. It was a horrible life. Two years later, after living that kind of life for two years, totally left church. I didn't care about church anymore, Right? One day, I heard that one of the girlfriends that I had, I heard that she contracted a sexually transmitted disease. So I heard and I got scared. Right, I got scared and I went to a doctor. I need to check myself out whether I have HIV. So back then, when you check for HIV, you needed to wait for one week. It was a horrible week. <laughs> so I waited for one week, right? And during that week, it was like the longest week, you know? It's like, <laughs> where I have HIV and, you know, it was horrible. And during that week, right, I was in severe depression. I just locked myself up in the room, you know? And it was at the lowest point of my life, at 20 years old, I cried out to God. I said, God, are you there? Right, it's like I say, I hated my life. It wasn't a life worth living. I hated it. I was getting myself drunk, smoking. I didn't get into drugs, but I could have. 
but I hated my life. Hated everything. Life was not worth living to me. My family was in a mess. There was nothing going for me. Right, and I remember um, just, just in, in, my, in my room, right? Right, and I just cried out to God and I say, no, God, if you are there, you know, please. Right? I need you. And it was there and then in the room that I heard a voice. It's not an audible voice. and I can still remember. I just heard something came into my heart. And it, it were these words, you know, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And I didn't know it's from the Bible. I just heard it and I thought, wow. And immediately I could feel His presence and I wasn't even in church. So I experienced the love of God for me. And it's like, it's amazing. And immediately, I called up uh, one of my friends whom I know was a Christian. He's not in Singapore. He was in Australia actually. But I called his parents because I knew they were Christians. And I said, you know, I need to go to church. So they brought me to church. Right? And of course, um, the test came out that I was free. Thank God. Right? And... So I went to church and from that point onwards, the Lord has revolutionized my life. So I went back to church. I remember when I went to church, I had long hair, you know. <laughs> it was uh, ridiculous, right? And, but but I, I experienced God's love for me. But I went back to a very traditional church. I still didn't understand anything. I started to go. But that was when my friend invited me to go to New Creation Church in 19... 95. So I went to New Creation Church in 1995. I remember back then, um, you know, uh, the church was just like about 500 members, right, in 1995, and a Pastor Prince uh, was preaching. He was already preaching grace, right? Not um, already, he has always preached grace, but not like what he's doing today, but I know he has already started preaching grace. And that was the first time I heard that we are justified by faith. And the moment I heard that, it's like, bam. Everything that I thought I knew was wrong. And when I heard the gospel for the first time, my life changed completely. Now, the Lord has really touched me before that, but my life changed completely. Amen. And it was the gospel that has transformed me. Let me just tell you this today, right? The fact that I'm standing here, that I can, and I've been a pastor for, 14 years. I've been full-time for uh, 16 years, right? Pastor Prince knows all this, okay? <laughs> you know, that I can be here, that I can have a life worth living, that I can be married with three kids, a happy marriage. We have our fair share of challenges like any marriage, right? But we are committed to one another. We are faithful, you know? It's the grace of God. What you see today it's the grace of God, right? If not for the grace of God, I wouldn't be here. I shouldn't be serving, my friend, right? And the life that I live today is truly a life worth living. Amen? I have my fair share of challenges as a pastor. You know, life has its challenges, right? right? We all have our challenges, but I look forward to living this life because of what the Lord has done for me. I wake up every day, not, you know, there are days when it's up and down, so I have my fair share of challenges, right? But there's someone who's there for me. My Lord is always there. He's my friend. Amen. He's my Savior. And I'm telling you, it is grace that can truly transform a man. Not just outwardly, but from the inside out. I know myself. 
I'm capable of every evil under the sun. I know myself. I've been there, my friend. Been there, done there. Right? But I also know the power of His love. It is love that constrains a man's heart. And the transformation is a real transformation from the inside out. Amen? I'm not putting up a show, you know. Oh, you know. It's like, it's not a show. I'm, I'm not doing this because I work in church. I'm doing this because I want to do this. I want to do this. Do you understand? I'm telling you that grace is the key to a victorious Christian life. Amen. It says here, the power of God unto salvation and the just shall live by faith. So all the wrong thinking that I had about righteousness was wrong. Turn with me right now to Romans chapter 3. Why then did God give the Ten Commandments? It says in Romans chapter 3, verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. God gave the law to Moses, right? And for 1,500 years, the nation of Israel, they were under the law, under the Ten Commandments. But no one could fulfill the law. Everyone failed. God gave the law not to make man holy. My friend, that's not why God gave the law. The law is holy, but man cannot be holy under the law. The law is holy, just and good. We are not against the law. Listen carefully, right? The law is holy, just and good. It's given by God. But man cannot because man has his flesh and man is evil from the inside out. You cannot be holy even when you try. Maybe outwardly you may not sin, but inwardly your thoughts and your motives, you know that there's evil inside. We all know. Do you? I hope you do, right? If you don't, then you will find out. <laughs> Trust me, right? There's none righteous. No, not even one. God gave the law so the whole world may become guilty before God. And it goes on to say, verse 20, listen. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in His sight. For by the law, is the knowledge of sin. God gave the law that is holy, just and good to tell us that you have sinned. So that you realize your need for a saviour. Verse 21, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law. The righteousness of God has nothing to do with the law. Amen? It's, re it's re revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, the Old Testament, the law and the prophets. Witness to Jesus Christ. Amen? Even the righteousness of God, are you all reading, right? We're going slow, line by line, so that you understand what I'm talking about. Through faith. In Jesus Christ, to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. The righteousness of God through faith, through faith, not by works, through faith. It is through faith that you are made righteous. Through faith, when you believe in what Jesus Christ has done, you are made righteous. Not by what you do. It has nothing to do with your behaviour. I'm reading from the Bible. Is this a licence to sin? It is not. Listen, follow me. Alright, this is the true antidote to sin and the power of sin in your life. When you believe right, you'll live right. Amen. It says there, through faith in Jesus Christ. How does a man become righteous today? When you believe. When you believe 
in Jesus Christ and all that He has done for you, you become righteous. It's a gift. For by one man's offense, death reigned through the one. Romans 5, 17. Much more, those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness, it's a gift. Righteousness is a gift that God has given to you. If it's a gift, you cannot lose it. And God is not a sore loser who will take it back when you do something wrong. He gives you, it is yours. You cannot lose it. Amen? You cannot. There are some things that you do in your life that are irreversible. You understand the word, right? Irreversible change. If I burn up, if I fold a piece of paper, I can fold it back. Right? But if I burn a piece of paper, I can't get it back. I can't. Do you know that when you receive Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, that one act of faith in that twinkling of an eye, in that moment when you receive Him in your heart and believe Him to save you from your sins, in that moment, something irreversible happened. You become a new creation because God's Word is true. When a man believes in his heart and confesses with his mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, right, he is safe. When you believe, in that moment, everything changed and you cannot reverse it. It's like Adam and Eve. Have you, have you ever asked in the garden, right? Right, Adam and Eve, you know, God said you can freely eat just one tree, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But they ate that tree. They ate from that tree. So after they ate, God pronounced that, hey, I told you not to, right? When you eat on that day, you eat of it, you shall die. Can Adam and Eve tell God, you know what, God? Can we just look at this in another way? Right? Is it possible that even though I ate, is it okay if we reverse it? Right? Can we do something about it? No, it's irreversible. The moment Adam and Eve sinned, they can't revert back to the, the innocence that they had. They would love to, but they can't. Right? Do we agree on that? Right? Likewise, listen carefully. The moment you believe in Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior to save you from your sins, and you become a new creation, and you become the very righteousness of God, it is irreversible, my friend. Amen. But I don't feel like I'm a Christian. If you really believe in your heart, you are. Amen. And I believe when we go to heaven, we'll see many more. Right? Because the grace of God is greater than what we can ever ask, think, or imagine. It is far greater. That's why when John looked in heaven, he had a vision in the book of Revelation, I see a multitude that no man can number. He said that. It's in the book of Revelation, right? Can I tell this? There will be more people, right, who will go to heaven than those who will go to hell. Oh, but what about the verse that Jesus says, narrow is the way and broad is the road to destruction. Narrow is the way because there's only one way, my friend. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. We must always interpret the Bible with the Bible. Amen. I believe there's a crowd, there's a multitude that no man can number. Because when Jesus died at the cross, He died for all men. Not all will be saved though. Can I just tell this? We don't believe in universalism. Because Jesus also talked about the lake of fire, where the fire is not quenched and the worms die not. There is a hell. We believe there is a hell. 
and the book of Revelation talks about a hell. So there is a hell for those who reject Christ. Right? But for those of us who accept Him, right, we have passed from death into life. Amen? Heaven is our home. Amen? So let's look back, Romans chapter 3, right? Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and all who believe, for there is no difference. Verse 23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Today, we are justified freely by His grace. Amen? We need to believe but it is through His grace that we are justified. Amen. Turn with me right now to Romans chapter 4. Right? And it says in Romans chapter 4, it says this, verse 2, For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works... The wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work, but to him who does not work, but believes. You do not work, but you believe in him who justifies the ungodly. Who does God justify today? Does God justify Christians only? Does God justify the good people only? No, the Bible says God justifies the ungodly. There's hope for everyone. But to him who does not work, but believes on Him who justifies the ungodly, that's me, His faith, your faith is accounted for righteousness. Your faith, amen? Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man. So this is a description of righteousness, right? To whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. He says, blessed are those, you are blessed, my friend. You are so blessed. Whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Do you see that? That's the difference. Listen. Three blessings. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, whose sins are covered. There's forgiveness. There's a covering. Amen. But it goes on to say, blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. What does that mean? Is there a difference? Are we just forgiven? There's a difference. Listen carefully. The non-imputation of sin. Let me explain this to you. If I commit a crime, right? In Singapore, if you commit murder, right, there's a possibility that you go for, you know, a maximum life imprisonment or you may, that there's even a capital punishment which I know you don't have. It's okay, I disagree with you, right? So in Singapore, if you commit a crime, Right? You need to face the penalty of that crime. You need to go to jail. Imagine if I commit a crime and I come before the judge. Now, if the judge forgives me of that crime and the judge gives me a pardon, let's say I commit a crime and I need to go to jail for 20 years and the judge gives me a pardon, it means that I do not need to go to jail for 20 years. I'm forgiven. But did I commit the crime? Yes, yes, I did, right? But am I a criminal? Yes, I am. Right? I received a pardon for the crime I committed. But I'm still a criminal. I committed the crime. Just that 
I receive the pardon, I'm forgiven of the crime that I committed. The non-imputation of sin means this, even though you had committed a crime, right? Not only did you receive pardon for that crime, but when the judge sees you today, my friend, you didn't even commit that crime because it is a non-imputation of sin. You didn't commit that crime. But I did. I know you did. But in the eyes of the judge, he didn't impute that sin to you. You are not a criminal. You didn't commit that crime. Whoa! That's what it means. Are you listening? Non-imputation of sin. Sin is not even imputed to you. It's more than forgiveness. Did we read it? Is it what it says? Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Wow. Who's that man? You are. God didn't impute sin. I know you sinned. I know you did. We all did. We failed in every way. But God, through Christ, through Christ, only through Him, that's why we love Him. He sacrificed His life for us. God doesn't impute sin to us today. Wow. Then, am I still a sinner, pastor? You were. You were. And may you never forget that. And in your flesh, there was no good thing. But you're no longer a sinner, my friend. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. Because of Jesus, you are the righteousness of God. And it says the righteousness of God. How righteous is God? Will you think, do you think God is very righteous? God is not just sinless, He's righteous. He upholds this universe because He's righteous. Right? But do you know that you're as righteous as God? That's what the Bible says. For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. I didn't say it. The Bible says you have become the righteousness of God. You're not just righteous. You are the righteousness of God. Amen? Can you imagine how God sees you today? That's why E.W. Kenyon says, when we understand righteousness, we can stand in the very presence of God as though sin has never been. We are the masters of every circumstance and situation, right? And we are the lords over every demonic spirit in this world. When you understand that you are righteous, something happens to you on the inside. You realize that you have a new identity. When you realize who you are in Christ, you become. Amen? Don't become in order to have your identity. You already have your identity, therefore become. Amen? You are the righteousness of God in Christ today. And you cannot lose that righteousness. This is the gospel, my friend. Justification by faith. You, by believing, you become right. You become the righteousness of God. Today, you are the righteousness of God. God is for you, not against you. Coming back to Matthew 6, 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So remember, we, we, I talked about this how when I was young. I didn't understand this. I thought, oh, the reason why my prayers are not answered because, right, I'm not righteous. But now everything has changed. Now, when I read this verse, hey, I am righteous. 
Therefore, all these things shall be added to me. And it says in James, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, right? Who is the righteous man? It's me. So God is encouraging me that when I pray, He hears my prayer, it avails much. My prayers avail much. That's why I pray. That's why I get down on my knees and I pray and things happen when I pray. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen? Come on, man. This is the gospel. Right? Oh, oh. How, how will this help me, my friend? The secret to a victorious Christian life. When you realize who you are, you become. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, awake to righteousness and sin not. Sin loses its power when you understand the grace of God. When you understand you're righteous, something happens to you. It's like, I don't know, it's like, you know, sometimes when we go for uh, recovery programs, I believe in recovery programs, you know, I know they work, especially when Christ is involved, right? And sometimes they will want you to confess, you know, I'm an alcoholic and all that. I think for you to acknowledge the problems in your life, I'm cool, okay? You can, you can do that, follow the program, not asking you to come against the program and not to go if you're going, right? But I'm telling you, there must be a greater voice on your inside. You need to start to realize, I'm the, righteous, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen? In the midst of your sin, you need to confess, you know? Right? Don't confess, right? It's like, sometimes when we sin and I don't feel righteous, how can I be righteous after you just sin, right? But that is when you need to confess that you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Right? When the rubber meets the road and all of you will be tempted and they are, t- and we will, we, we may, you shouldn't, but you may, and when you do, what's going to happen? Right? That is when you need to confess, I'm the righteous, I'm still righteous, I'm still forgiven. God doesn't impute that sin to me. He still loves me. I'm still His beloved. Amen. That's when there is power to overcome the sin. Because when you receive guilt and condemnation for the sin you just committed, and you start to wallow in the mud of condemnation and guilt and shame, and you think that God is against you, He's going to curse you, that's when you'll sin even more, my friend. Amen. Get out of that by confessing, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen. So this is the key to get you out of any addiction. Amen? Awake to righteousness and sin not. But pastor, when you preach like this, wouldn't this be be an excuse for people to sin? No, my friend. The Bible says, for sin shall have no power over you, for you're not under law, but you're under grace. When you really understand the grace of God, it will stop sin. Amen? If you're still struggling with an addiction, then maybe you need to check whether you really are receiving the grace of God for you. Amen? Do you really believe that God loves you? Do you really believe that all your sins are forgiven? That He's for you and not against you? Amen? I'm going to read to you some testimonies, okay? Right, I'm going to show a video testimony as, as well. I used to feel, oh, this is written by someone from South Africa, a man. I used to feel lonely and empty. I would watch pornography 
and even looked for prostitutes. I was also not doing great academically and gave up thinking I could make it in life. I tried reading motivational and spiritual books, but their effects would only last for a while. Pastor Prince, when I first saw you preach on television, I found the grace message hard to grasp because I grew up under works of the law. But when I really started listening to you, I realized you made a lot of sense and I would even set the alarm at one in the morning to catch your program. Gradually, I started to see the light and fell in love with God and my Lord Jesus again. I listened to your messages and they were like treasures that I did not want to let go. Every time I was aware of committing a sin, I would declare my righteousness in Christ. Soon, I started experiencing breakthroughs in my life, completing my diploma after 14 years, receiving promotions at work, and even getting married last year. I also realized that I do not crave pornography or want to look for prostitutes anymore. It's not outward, you know. Oh, I better not, you know. I do not crave. It's a heart transformation. I no longer see any benefits in that. In fact, I realized that they only made me feel empty and lonely inside. I've learned that the enemy uses condemnation as his weapon. And the answer to that is God's love, which can be experienced when we know how much he has forgiven and taken away all our sins. Today, I am a better employee, husband, brother, and man because of Jesus. My message to people whom I meet today is about the love of God demonstrated through Jesus at the cross. Thank you for teaching me the true meaning of the gospel. I've received deliverance and I now understand what the truth shall set you free means. I thank God for you and your ministry. God bless you. Can we play the video testimony of, of, uh, of the brother James Wood? Let's watch this testimony on video. Miss Jane, good chair. And my first impression of Joseph Prince um, was when a friend of mine introduced me to a sermon of his and I just started listening and listening more. And in my past, you know, like I had a, a big problem with pornography and, um, you know, on the internet, because it's so vast in our, in our society and world that it's so open. And um, I was introduced to a sermon of um, Pastor Joseph Prince um, about um, Jesus standing on the waters and how um, it was about him and just his faith, how he stands in his faith and not about our faith, but his faith. And, um, and so I just kept on listening and listening. And um, I really had a big addiction in my past, which really left a lot of wounds um, in my heart, like the arrows that Satan pulls them. And, um, and just keep on listening to um, more of the sermons of Joseph Prince and um, more of the grace and it just like all these all, like all these wounds it caused and all these dry leaves from from the past that remain they just kept they just fell away as I kept listening and um, like and I got a picture as I was um, listening to his sermon about the sun shining in the sky and um, about yeah but from Joseph's sermon um, and it's like it's like the Bible says that we behold his face, it's like the sun, so radiant, and, and that's his grace that shines in the sky, and that's why I was listening, like, all these things just kept melting away, and, and yeah, and all the dry leaves fall away, and like the trees that are drawn to the sun, you just remain drawn to Jesus and his grace, and, and that just held, healed me completely, and, um, 
And yeah, so thank you for Joseph Prince for these wonderful messages and thank you Jesus for revealing them to Joseph Prince. I am healed. Thank you. But yeah, just to see Joseph Prince, like, to be alive in the same building with him and just listen to the gospel, it was, it was out of this world. It was like, yeah, it's just like it was coming straight down from heaven, yeah. And yeah, it was wonderful. Thanks. And I, I kind of bought some more sermons. I shouldn't have done. Yeah, Pastor Prince. I just, you know, like, I don't know what I've done if I didn't hear the gospel as it is preached by you. And if I didn't, I, I don't know what would happen in my life, but even though my life was in Jesus' hands, I know I was saved. But now that I have grounding, I just thank you from, you know, the bottom of my soul for all that you've done for my life. And yeah. <laughs> and, I know Jesus gets all the praise, but, you know, for Joseph to come along and not fear of preaching it, you know, because a lot of people stand up against it, but, yeah, I just thank you from the bottom of my soul. <laughs> yeah. So you tell me, should I be preaching this? You know, I'm not kidding when I tell you I have testimonies. I only read two, right, showed you one. That's why we do this. And we receive opposition, I can tell you that. Right? People mock at us, make fun of us, make fun of the messages that we preach. But can I tell you this? It is the work of God in our generation. This year is a special year. In the Jewish calendar, it's 5777. Right? Beautiful numbers, right? And it's 2017 this year. 17 is a special number in Bible numerics, 17 is a number of victory, right? At 17, David conquered Goliath. And if you plus one, if you add one plus two plus three all the way to 17, you get 153. That's a special number because when they brought in the net full of fishes, the Bible mentioned there's 153 fishes, right? That's after Jesus was risen from the dead. So it is a number of victory. After Jesus is risen, there is victory. Amen. I really believe that this year is the year of Jubilee. Because 50 years ago now, the Jubilee in the Bible is the 50th year. Right? So every 50th year, God told the Israelites that you need to declare the year of Jubilee. In the year of Jubilee, every man will return to his possession and every man will return to his household. Which means if you have lost your possession for whatever reason, right, you lost your land, you lost your house, on the 50th year, the year of Jubilee, you get it back for free. No don't have to pay anything, it's yours. Reset. And every man will return to his house. So if you are a slave, for any reason, for whatever reason, right, on the 50th year of Jubilee, if you are a slave, you are set free immediately. Right, so this year, I believe, is the year of Jubilee because 50 years ago, right, in 1967, something happened to Israel. Israel went through a war. It's called the Six-Day War, right? And in six days, they overcame overwhelming odds against them, right? And they took back Jerusalem. And Jesus made a prophecy in Matthew 24. He said, when you see Jerusalem coming back, right, the, uh, to Israel, Right, the time of the Gentiles has come to an end. We are approaching the day that our Lord is coming back for us first in the rapture. Right? And 500 years ago, 500 years ago, this year, 2017, right? 500 years ago, right? Martin Luther, 
right? He preached, the just shall live by faith. So 2017, I believe it's a special year, the year of Jubilee. Why do I want to share, share this with you? Because Jesus said something about Jubilee. Turn with me to Luke chapter 4. You know, we are talking about deliverance from addictions and bondages, right? You know, there's so much for me to share. There's not enough time, but you know, we'll... God is so good. Amen. It is a life worth living. No longer under the power of sin. Amen. His grace sets you free. There's more to share. You need to come tomorrow night. Right, there's many more. I need to tell you how. I haven't talked to you how. Right, you know it's through him, but how? How do you appropriate it? Right. It says in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. It's amazing when Jesus entered into Nazareth, I believe. Right, he went to the synagogue. Right, and it says that the, the scroll was open to him. You must understand that in the Jewish culture, they have this um, custom called the parasha reading. The parasha reading is one where in synagogues all over the world, even today, there's a specific reading from the Torah that they would read all together on the same Sabbath. It happens today. Right? So it so happened that on that Sabbath, 2,000 years ago, the Son of God entered into a synagogue in Nazareth and it so happened that the reading from the Old Testament was from Isaiah 61. And Jesus read it. He read it. He said, The Spirit of the, of the Lord is upon me. And isn't it apt that it truly was upon Him? Right? When we read it, we read it. We can read it, you know, but it's not really upon us, is it? But when Jesus read it, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Right? He literally fulfilled that portion of Scripture that was prophesied by Prophet Isaiah more than 600 years before he was born. Amen? Because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. The best way to help the poor is not just to give them bread or to teach them how to fish. You need to give them the gospel. The gospel of grace. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Amen. To proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. The acceptable year of the Lord is Jubilee. Amen. And what happens in Jubilee is this, my friend. There will be liberty to the captives. I believe that this year is the year of Jubilee. And I believe that this year in your life, I do not care what addictions you have in your life. I do not care what bondages you're experiencing in your life, in your mind. Whatever it is, this year, God will, God, the Lord Jesus proclaims liberty to you. It is not by your own strength, but He will do it for you. Amen. Sin will lose its power over you. It's not you, it is Him. It is His power in you. Amen. So this year is the year of Jubilee. You know, there's something beautiful about this portion of Scripture. Do you know that this was taken from Isaiah 61? Can we turn to Isaiah 61? I just want to quickly show you this. Right? It says in Isaiah 61, where Jesus took the portion of Scripture from verse 1 to 3. It says, The Spirit of the, of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive. Stop. 
If you compare this portion of Scripture in Isaiah 61 to Luke 4, you realize that Jesus added something. Oh, but how can Jesus do that? Do you know I've read, you know, Jewish scholars, they make fun of Christians, you know. They make fun of Christians and they say, you know, Christians, uh, they make a mockery of our Torah. Look at, look, at, look at their Bible. They quoted the Torah wrongly. Jesus added recovery of sight to the blind. Do you know that it's in Luke chapter 4, if you check? Jesus added recovery of sight to the blind, right? How can Jesus add to God's Word? You see, my friend, the reason why Jesus added to God's Word is because He is God. Amen? But not just that, listen. Right, listen. You know, all this portion of Scripture you read, preach good tidings to the poor. Anyone can do that. Heal the brokenhearted. Anyone can do that too because it is not objective. It cannot be quantified. Am I right to say that? Is your heart healed? Who, who, who can verify that, right? It's not objective. It cannot be quantified. Right? Proclaim liberty to the captives. Anyone can do that. It's just proclaiming. An opening of the prison to those who are bound, right? It cannot be quantified. But let me tell this, when you say recovery of sight to the blind, if you say it and you, you can't do it, then you're not the Messiah. The reason why Jesus added it in is He wanted to tell them, all these things cannot be quantified, but I added in recovery of sight to the blind because I want to prove to you, I'm God. My friend, Jesus is God. He is the Messiah. And the recovery of sight to the blind, in the Old Testament, no one was healed. No blind man was ever healed. Check. No blind man was ever healed in the Old Testament. The recovery of sight to the blind is a specific prophecy that must be fulfilled by the Messiah in Isaiah 45, I believe. Right? And this, Jesus said to tell them, I am your Messiah. But they didn't see it but it was all part of God's plan. They didn't see it, so that it was revealed to us. And today, their Messiah has become our Saviour. Amen. And He went to the cross. He died for our sins. And because of Him, we, Gentile believers, the church of God, we have become the righteousness of God in Christ. And when you receive this gift of righteousness, you shall reign in life. Amen. I'm telling you that this year is a year of jubilee and I'm declaring over you, I proclaim liberty to the captives. All these testimonies that I read, don't let this be the testimony of another person. Let this be your testimony. Amen? The secret is this, my friend. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. Without Him, you cannot. But with Him, you can. Amen? Receive the grace of God. Quickly turn with me to Titus 2. Can we invite the keyboardists to come out as well? Titus chapter 2. I have much to share. We will. It says this in Titus 2, verse 11. It says this, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Who appeared to all men? The grace of God is the Lord. He has appeared to all men, listen, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, 
righteously and godly in the present age. This is a very important portion of Scripture. It says, The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that, listen, right? When we teach you grace, grace will teach you. But I want you to know, grace is the unmerited favour of God. Listen carefully now. Grace is not teaching on denying ungodliness. Listen carefully. Some of us, we say, grace is to teach people to deny ungodliness. No, no, no. That's not what grace is. Grace is the unmerited favour of God. Grace is not the empowerment to live a holy life. I just want to be very specific and clear. Right? Grace will lead to empowerment to live a holy life. But grace is not the empowerment because if you say grace is the empowerment, then anyone can have a grace seminar and just teach them rules and regulations. You see, I'm teaching people to deny ungodliness and worldly lust and I'm teaching grace. That's not grace. That's not grace, my friend. A lot of people are teaching grace and say, as long as I teach people to deny ungodliness, I'm teaching grace. That's not grace. Grace, that's not, grace is the unmerited favour of God. That is grace. When you understand the unconditional love that God has for you, that you are His beloved, that He loves you with an everlasting love, that love that you have received will teach you. Have you heard that before? It's in the Bible. Grace will teach you. Do you know that God teaches you? But it's grace, you see. Grace is not teaching you, you know, oh, don't watch too much TV, you know, don't do... <laughs> That's not grace. But I need to teach you grace and grace will teach you. Amen? It's a supernatural power that will come into your life and everything in your life will change. Jesus said this, listen, listen carefully. Jesus says, if you don't forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you. Have you heard that? It's in the Bible. Okay, everything I quote is from the Bible. Did Jesus say that? Jesus said that. But have you really examined how serious that statement is? It's scary, you know. And one of the biggest problems in the church today is bitterness. And Jesus said, if you don't forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you. Those are not easy words. That's a warning. Right? Even it, though it's from our gracious Lord. Right? Can you do that today? Let me tell you that there's a change. Even Jesus' words before and after the cross. By the way, Apostles Paul's words in the episodes, right, they are the words of God. I got no time to tell you, but it's all in the Bible. Do not despise the words that are from the, uh, the apostles and think that Jesus' words are higher. Don't, it's all the Word of God. This is the canon of Scripture preserved by the Holy Spirit for our generation. Listen carefully. Jesus said, if you don't forgive, God will not forgive you. But what did Apostle Paul say? Ephesians 4.32, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ has forgiven you. Do you see a change? Under the law, Jesus is magnifying the law. If you don't forgive, God will not forgive. But under grace, hey, you can forgive because God has forgiven. Amen? Under the law, thou shalt not commit adultery. That's God's standard for marriage. Don't. Under grace, husbands love your wives 
Actually, the Bible didn't say that. Listen, the Bible says, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church. Wives, submit as unto the Lord. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Everything has to do with Jesus. Do you see? It's a cycle. You see, when you receive love, you love. We love because He first loved us. Do you see what is the antidote to, to selfishness? Um, challenges and conflicts in marriage. It's not telling, hey, don't commit adultery. That's not, that's the law. <laughs> you can't do it, bro. You need to receive God's love for you. Then you can love your wife. You need to know that you see, you know, you submit to the Lord when you submit to your husband. It's all about Jesus. Oh, oh, I'll have to know this. Pastor Lawrence, the Bible says, be holy for I'm holy. You're right. But where is that taken from? It's taken from 1 Peter. You're right. We need to be holy today. I'm for holiness. Be holy for I'm holy. Yes. But is it a commandment? Have you read what's the verse before that? Turn with me to 1 Peter. It says in 1 Peter, chapter 1, it says this, Be holy for I'm holy, right? But what are the verses before that? Verse 15, it says, But as He who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. If we preach it like this, right, and just tell people to be holy and you come to church and that's all you listen, you have no power to do it. Right? You're preaching the Word of God, right? But you're not giving the people the power because it says, listen carefully now to verse 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That is how you can be holy, my friend. You need to rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation. That is how you can be holy. Everything we preach must be in context. When you understand grace, then you can be holy for He's holy. Amen? So I'm telling you, grace is the key to holiness. We forgive because we've been forgiven. How did God, uh, how did Apostle Paul address the Corinthian church? The man was sleeping with temple prostitutes. It's idolatrous Sexual immorality is horrible. Did he say, shame on you. Thou shalt not commit adultery. He didn't say that. He said, don't you know that your body is, the, is still is the temple of the Holy Spirit that you were bought at a price? So what he's addressing is that he's telling them, hey, you forgot who you are. You don't know who you really are. That's why when you realize you are righteous, you are a holy person, you become. I believe in this place, every person here, if you are born again, if you are a man, you are a good man. That's how God sees you. You are a new creation. The Bible calls you a chosen generation. The Bible calls you a royal priesthood. Are you royal? Yes, you are. Are you a priest? Yes, you are. Are you holy? The Bible calls you a holy nation. Wow. But, I, but my life is not... Relax. Believe first and you will become. When you believe you're holy, you will become. And all the women here, 
right? You are the daughters of Sarah. Amen. You are beautiful, not just outwardly, but inwardly. You are the daughter of the Most High God. You are a good woman. Amen. It's time we tell our people who they really are. Don't judge them based on what they do. Tell them who they are and they will become. Amen. So this is the secret to a victorious Christian life. Who you are in Christ. His grace towards you. Amen. When, when you understand grace, it will transform you from the inside out. The testimonies I read, that's what they say, I don't even crave for it. That's true transformation. Right? Sometimes we think in church, we need to talk about sin, the destructive consequences of sin. But the challenge of that is that you make sin, sin loom larger than life. And when people are sin conscious, they will sin even more. We need to make Jesus larger than life. We need to tell them, hey, you know what? Right, the Lord loves you. Right? He cares for you. Right? Even in your sin, He has forgiven you. When they receive that, the power of sin will be destroyed. Amen? And, I'm, and I know, you know, we're all for holiness. Amen? Are we for ho- We are all. New Creation Church is for holiness. Can I tell this? Our church is large. Okay? Right? And you know, people say all kinds of things that people are living wildly. Can I tell this? That's not the case. That's not the case in New Creation Church. But like any, like any church, there are people who fail. There are. Right? I'd be the first to tell you that. We are not a perfect church. People will fail. Right? People will make mistakes. But I, I can tell you this, if you come to New Creation Church, it's not like everyone is living in sin, you know. It is not at all. Right? People are living lives that glorify God. Our servers, they serve, right? And they serve for long hours, willingly, happily, unto the Lord. It is an orderly church. Oh, you know, I, I heard that church in Singapore is a crazy church, crazy grace. Who told you that? Have you been to New Creation Church? If you come to our church on Sunday, it's orderly, okay? Everything is in order. The service is in order, right? Come and see for yourself, right? I do not know, but actually I do know. I hold the testimonies of hundreds of people from around the world and many more who have not written in. And on the website, you can go find out for yourself. I know what grace has done. I know that grace is the key to a holy life, to a victorious Christian life. It is grace. There's no other answer. Grace is the answer. And grace is not just for the start. This is what Pastor Prince wants to tell you. He told me, tell them grace is not just for the beginning, no? Like, oh, I know grace and, you know, I move on. I move on to other things. No, no, no. It's from here till the very end. It's all grace. Amen. The unmerited favour of God. Amen. It's late. Last thing, okay? Right? Because I, I want to share something else tomorrow. <laughs> I, I feel that I need to share this. Um, but how do you receive grace? You cannot earn it, right? How do you receive it? Right? It's free. You can't earn it. But what is the method of receiving? How do you actually receive it? Listen carefully, okay? Right? The method of receiving grace 
is by listening to the gospel. And I want to emphasize on the word listening. No, I believe in reading the Bible. I read the Bible every day. I'm all for the Bible, but listen carefully. Right, in the book of Romans, right, it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of Christ. The original is Word of Christ, not Word of God. That's the difference. The Word of God refers to anything in the Bible. It's the Word of God. But Word of Christ, Christos, in the original Greek is different. Word of Christ refers to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, His finished work, and who He is today. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of Christ, which is the Gospel, which is what Jesus has done. So faith comes, and the faith there is the faith of salvation. So there's something about listening to the gospel. Even as I speak to you tonight, you're listening. This is the main mode of delivery that God intended for us to receive grace today. Now, we all know there is grace, but how do I receive it? Right? So I'm giving you a practical tip, you know. You receive it by listening. Listening. And do you notice the two testimonies? Right? I, I, I use those two to tell you this, like, you know, the first guy I read who visited prostitutes and all that, right? He said, I will record it at 1 a.m. and I wake up to watch. He listened every day. The other guy on video, he said, I kept listening and the more I listened. So, sometimes when we, when I show these testimonies for a purpose to let you know that there's power in listening. Right? And I want you to listen. Right? Keep on listening. Get Pastor Tony's message, right? You record it on audio, right? Listen. This is something I do every day. I listen and I listen and I listen because I know it's a revelation to me. I know that. I know I need grace. I know I cannot earn it, but how, what is the mode of God giving, sending that grace to me? It's by listening. I need to listen to the gospel every day. It's not having heard, you know. Faith comes by listening. So you need to listen and listen and listen and listen again have a lifestyle of listening, or you can meditate on God's Word. Take a scripture. It's, it's a form of, you know, just meditate on God's Word and it will become life to you. Amen? Praise the Lord. Right? Hallelujah. You know what? Uh, we don't want to close the service tonight without praying for you. You know, we talk about deliverance from addictions and bondages. Right? I believe God wants to do a work tonight. Amen? It's all about laying hands and all that. We, we will not lay hands, but we will believe that He's able to do it. Amen. Right. Can I have every head bowed and every eye closed in this place? You do not need to raise up your hand. But if you're struggling with an addiction, a bondage in your life and you've tried your best and you're not seeing anything at all and you're disappointed with yourself and maybe you are even just angry with yourself. Maybe you blame yourself. My friend, I want you to know this. This year is your year of Jubilee. I proclaim liberty to you. Do not need to raise up your hand, but if you are that person, you're struggling with an addiction, with a bondage in your life, no matter what you call it, raise up your hand in your heart. Don't raise up your hand. Raise up your hand in your heart. God sees those hands. Right now, raise up your hand and I want to pray for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, it is you. 
you are here. And Lord, right now, Lord, you see those hands that are being raised. Right now, in Jesus' name, I take authority over you, your life. Today, I declare in the name of Jesus that addiction, that bondage is destroyed. Now, in Jesus' name. And Lord, I thank you. Lord, you see the hands. And Lord, we thank you. Only by your grace, Lord. Because of your grace today, we can fully receive true deliverance and freedom, Lord, from every addiction and bondage. And Lord, we thank you. You have given us a life worth living. It is because of your grace that we can run this race. And what a joyous race, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, this year, I proclaim liberty to your people. I declare that you are free. He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We give you praise. We thank you, Lord, that you've done what we cannot do. And we give you praise. All this we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone say... Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.